Jewish Money Matters episode 329, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Friday, June 9th. Today, we have uh, very interesting questions. Uh, we have a follow-up question from last week's conversation on moving um, to another state given the the high cost of tuition. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna try to help a listener choose between paying tuition and investing money and in making family memories or other things like that. We're also gonna talk about um, inheritance money and miser. But first, did you? get to hear Monday's interview with Donnie Fine, founder of the Mitzvah Opportunity. If you didn't, please, I give you permission right now to stop listening to this episode and go back and listen to Monday's episode. It is that good. It is such, I mean, I'm still on a high from that interview. And thank you to everyone who's been writing and telling me how much they loved it. Thank you to everybody on LinkedIn for showing so much enthusiasm for the episode and to many of the members of the Mitzvah Opportunity. If you don't know what that is, you're about to go find out. I'm telling you, and you're going to love it. But thank you to members who have also reached out and told me that they heard the episode. And uh, welcome to the show, because now I guess we have a, 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 a new listener. So welcome, everybody. Before we head on to our listeners' questions, we're going to go to the Apple Podcast Review section. And today we're going to say thank you to Liba, who left a review on June 2nd. And she says, Yael is a master expert on money. Listening to the podcast, you will come to realize quickly how much of an expert Yael is on the subject of money. Not only does she give great advice, but also makes an overwhelming subject seem less daunting. I'm looking forward to continuing learning and expanding my mindset with Yael. Liva, that is very, very kind, very generous. I'm glad you're finding the advice good and not daunting. I, I try. I think it's so important because, yes, the topic of money can be overwhelming. And for many people, it is. So we're trying to change that. And by the way, by introducing the Jewish perspective, I think we diffuse a lot of that overwhelm, don't we? Right? So thank you, Liba. Please be in touch and I will send you a calendar link for us to connect over the phone. And listeners, as you know, every week I try to pick a reviewer of the week and that person wins a 20-minute call with me. They're always really fun. I look forward to those. All right. So our first question is from Anonymous who asks, Hey, Yael, I have an inheritance coming up. Do I have to take Meister from it? For some background, it has been such a difficult and emotionally draining process to get this inheritance involving fights with my father's second wife's children who are now going to get some of the money as well because of the way the law works in Europe, even though I know and I've spoken to a Rav who told me that halachically they shouldn't be getting any money. But anyways... Whatever I'm getting, I am grateful for, and I know it's all from Hashem, but I'm curious, do I give Miser from this money? I'm getting less than I should, which makes it on some level, you know, giving Miser harder, if that makes sense. All right. So Anonymous, thank you for the question. Excellent. I'm so sorry that you've got had to go through this. I, I tell you, like family feuds are just, they're never fun. And yes, it can definitely be emotionally draining. So I'm um, hopefully this is the end of the process. And, you know, I remember I also had an issue with an inheritance once um, to the extent that I actually 
ended up repudiate, how do you say repudiating, like just giving up on the inheritance. Uh, and it's that's a story for another time. But believe me, that's a story to your question of whether you have to give Meister on the inheritance. So if what you receive is cash, yes, you will have to give Meister from that money. And just to review any time that we get a gift in cash, unless the gift has been earmarked by the giver for the receiver to use the money for a particular purpose, then we have to take Meister. In other words, if you get a monetary gift that the giver said, this is for you to put uh, for the down payment of a home or for you to put for the down payment of your car or buy yourself a car, then in that case, you would use the money only for that and not have to give Meister on that money. But when you just get cash to use for whatever you want, you do have to give Meister. We always give the example of, for example, um, gifts that kids received, right? When a kid gets bar mitzvah money or bas mitzvah money, right? That cash, if it hasn't been earmarked, they give Meister from it. But if your grandparent says, here, here's $50 so you can buy yourself, you know, this book collection that you wanted, that money goes for the book collection. So it's the same idea, okay? Now, back to inheritances. Let's say you receive a stock portfolio as an inheritance. Until, and we've, we've talked about this before, just, in, you know, doesn't have to be inheritance, but just so you know the concept, right? That until the stocks have been liquidated it, and, and it becomes real cash on hand, you don't give Meister on the money. So to sum it up, if you're just getting cash, yes, it sounds to me like you would take Meister on that money. I still will say anonymous. I recommend you ask a Rav, especially since it's da- it sounds like you have already spoken to one about the situation. And it sounds like he's aware of your frustration, perhaps that you're not getting what you were quote unquote supposed to get. I think it's a good idea. I, look, it's always a good idea. So I think in this case specifically, it definitely is a good idea to run it by a Rav since you're anyway in that conversation, have been engaged in that conversation. All right. So good luck with that. Now, Lauren sent in a follow-up question from last week's from last week's Ask Yael. So do you remember Lauren from last week? She had asked about the percentage that one should spend on Jewish tuition and should is in air quotes here, right? About, and, and she's also, she was also asking about when, when is it a good time to say, look, I'm out of here. I'm moving to a state that offers school choice. And we talked about what that means. So if you didn't catch the episode, it's last week's Friday, last Friday's Ask Yael. I suggest you go back and listen. I spoke about the fact that there might be other factors that weigh heavily, perhaps, perhaps more heavily than school tuition when it comes to moving states. Um, and now Lauren adds the following. She says, part of what triggered the question is that we recently had a school-related expense that took 40% of our income. So I don't know what that expense is exactly, but apparently some expense, a big one, right? And I'm assuming that she means her monthly income, perhaps, you know, perhaps they were hit with like some sort of registration fees or other tuition-related fees or who knows, you know, it's just sometimes things that, you know, you're not expecting them um, or, you know, things that turn out to be higher than you thought. And, and that can definitely sting, right? And and by the way, that can happen with so many things, not just tuition. Like we can get a tax bill. Our accountant made a, made, a, made, made a mistake or we might have, you know, we might have had a year where our jobs changed or we added a job to also our business income or just some strange combination of things that make your taxes go a little bit wonky and you get a surprise bill that you weren't expecting to pay so much. Or like a friend told me recently, just this week, that there's a medical procedure, right? And 
she all of a sudden got hit with more a bigger copay or whatever it was than than they were expecting and you know there can be a lot of surprises when it comes to these type of things medical procedures for sure we've had an episode on this with dan wiseman very good episode but in any case back to lauren's situation so so she's in this predicament where as she told us last week she knows tuition is high and it gets higher as the years progress and in addition she gets hit with this unexpected expense and it's making her head go into a place of worry and by the way Lauren and everybody, it's it's normal. That's that's what the brain does does, right? We have to know. And then we have to know how to combat that. So Lauren then told me that this big expense that was 40% of her income was very hard to pull off because most of her liquidity is tied up in real estate projects. So it really, it really hurt. They didn't really have the liquidity. They dealt with it, but it was like, it really was kind of a setback. And so she's wondering, she said, it got me nervous. It got me wondering, what is the mitachon piece here? What is the ishtadlus or the effort piece here? Do we continue to be like, it's okay, this is for Jewish education and Hashem will provide, God will provide, or or, or is my ishtadlus supposed to be looking for a different place to live? So now we understand the background of why she was asking the question last week. And then Lauren adds, I agree that there are many variables that um, that come into moving. How do I know which ishtadlus, which effort is the right way to continue and to have bitachon also that Hashem will provide? Additionally, I understand that Jewish education is a big mitzvah, but if it comes down to the choice of paying tuition or making memories with my children, I don't mean anything extravagant, but vacation trips with the family, the grandparents, if I'm having to choose between making those family memories and tuition, how am I to choose which one is more important? I know again that Jewish education is not negotiable but when it starts affecting the other areas of life like making memories and having guests for shabbat how do we choose that's what i'm struggling with guys this is such an amazing follow-up thank you thank you and by the way lauren allowed me to answer her here on the episode because we both agreed that many of you might be struggling with the exact same thing. I mean, this is very, very normal and very common and that it would be most helpful if I addressed it, not just directly to her, but to the entire audience as well. So thank you again, Lauren. Here are my thoughts. It's all pitachon work, all of it. You have a livelihood, it seems, because you mentioned some projects and capital that is tied And while the liquidity is tight and you manage it carefully, the fact of the matter is that Hashem is providing you with everything you need. And guys, by the way, this is always a fact. It's hard for us to internalize this. And I invite you to learn the gate of trust, the Sharabitachon, and you will see clearly that we actually have everything we need. Your entire perspective will shift. So what's happening here is what happens to all of us. Hashem is giving us everything and yet we start getting nervous. What if it isn't enough? What if we won't be able to pay the tuition? What if we won't be able to afford the vacation and make the family memories? And it's all an old trick of the Yetzirah. You know how I know it's an old trick? Because it's been doing the same exact trick for the last 3,000 years. <laughs> because the Chavot HaLevavot in his Sharabitach on the Gate of Trust talked about it. Because even before that, the Torah talked about it. Look at it in Parshas Behar. When you will ask, what will I eat? I'll put an entire article I wrote about this, about the Yid and the Jews asking, what are they going to eat during Shemitah? I'll put an entire article that I wrote in the show notes, actually. It's one of my favorite articles. The Talmud has talked about it. The Beis Levi, the King, King David and Tehillim. The trick of the Yetzirah, this trick of the Yetzirah has been addressed and addressed. It's an old trick of the sleazy Yetzirah, and we still 
till today keep experiencing the same exact trick and some even fall for it. But that's not going to be us, not you, Lauren, and not anybody in the audience, because all these sources, the Torah, our sages have told us how to combat this. It is called reliance in Hashem. It's called bitachon. And we learn that this is foolproof. To quote, actually, uh, Michal Safdi of Daily Bitachon, he says, when you work it, it works. And I couldn't agree more, right? When you work it, it works. When you start learning about what reliance and trust in Hashem really means and how it is truly cultivated and it's daily work. An example, when you start thinking about the kindness that God has been doing up until now, when you start thinking about the fact that Hashem is the only one who can who can and will pay for the tuition and the vacation and, the, and, and Shabbos, by the way, which is on Hashem's account, and you start only having Him as the one address, one address, Michal Safdi says in one address, Yud K Vav K, right? That's the address. It works. It actually works. Right, the Sharbitachon, the gate of trust, tells us very, very clearly, and whoever has experienced it will tell you that it works. We have to stop with the worry. Just this week, I told one of my students in my membership who was doubting Hashem, and we were all having a conversation about, you know, her doubts and her concerns, and how really they were unfounded, and how, you know, once how God can send her the money in which any any which way. And we gave her a few examples of how it's happened in her business and in her life. And we're not going to go into the details, but the whole conversation gave her a tremendous amount of strength. And she she literally flipped and went back into the zone, right? Because that's what happens. We just have to work and have people who are also in the zone to help us get back into the zone. That's how that's what we like to call it around here, the Bitachon zone. So two hours after the group call, she posted in her membership group, we, we all went crazy because it was so good. Like literally just happened after the call. She, I have to read it to you, actually. I'm going to read it to you. She said, yeah, Elle was spot on today when she reminded me that God can bring money in from an unexpected place. A short meeting with a pianist on a different topic ended up bringing $470 in unanticipated income a few hours after we talked. It works. <laughs> when we turn only to Hashem and we walk with gratitude and tranquility, appreciation, knowing that He's got it all under control, we see it. Like He reveals it to us, but we have to do the work. Now, Ishtadlus Lauren, effort. If you have no other reason why to move your family but money, that's not ishtadlus. That's not normal ishtadlus. That's not bitachon because that means that you're assuming it's the ishtadlus that will bring the money for tuition. That's not what the. That's what not what bitachon requires of us. That's not what ishtadlus means. Ishtadlus means making effort, right, and trusting Hashem that He can send it any any which way, right? It's not the ishtadlus that leads to the money right? It's the, like, that's assuming that it's the move that will bring the money for tuition, which is simply not true. It's falsehood. Ishtadlus is making a vessel for our livelihood based on natural inclination, based on natural interest that a person has, and tolerance, right? All of these three things that Hashem has given them. And it's spelled out in the Sharabitachon in chapter, in the Gate of Trust in chapter three. So if you have a vessel for livelihood that is based on those things, tolerance, inclination, and talent, then that's what you do. You don't need to worry about the money. The money doesn't come from the vessel. The money comes into the vessel from Hashem. But a vessel built without bitachon has holes, has a lot of holes. We don't want a broken vessel. We don't. So Lauren, if the education of your children is fine, if the community is fine, if you and your family like the place, if you think it offers good quality of Jewish life for your children, if you have a source of livelihood there, which it sounds like you do, then if the only reason to consider a move is, 
How will I be able to afford the vacations and the tuitions and et cetera, et cetera? That's not a reason. That's what I'm trying to say. If you tell me, look, I don't love my means of making a livelihood. Um, it doesn't meet these criteria. Then that's a different conversation. Then yes, I would be looking for a different means of livelihood, but not because the means will be be bringing you the livelihood, but because the means the the means does n- just don't meet Hashem's requirements, which are again that you're drawn to it, that you're good at it, and that you have tolerance for it. So to conclude, we have to let go of the how, leave the how up to Hashem. That's getting into His lane, into His business, and. When we do that, when we get into his business, when we get um, focused on the how, it's like we interrupt the flow. I'm not going to get into it all again, if you're interested. When you get into the study of Bitachon, you're going to learn how this works. And I'll also put an article I wrote about this again, I'm mentioning again, but this article actually kind of talks about this and it's pretty clear. But the point here is that we have to stop our worrying about the how. How is this going to happen? That's God's business. You know what our business is? Our business is the why. Why am I doing this? And then the what? Let me explain. Why do I want to live here? Ah, because it offers my family and my children, I don't know, a good quality of Jewish life. It allows me and my husband to work and still have time to learn Torah and to be with our family. Uh, It has a Jewish education that is well suited for the kids. It allows us to do kivurah ve'em. Maybe you live next to parents, grandparents, whatever it is. Other mitzvahs, it allows you to do whatever it is, right? Why do I want to go on this vacation? Fill in the blanks, Lauren, like, right? Because it's healthy for the children to spend time with grandparents, because it's part of making family memories, it's shalom by it, etc., etc. And then the what? Okay, so what do I have to do now? Number one, I have to work, work on bitachon always, constantly. And number two, what is in front of me? Okay, so what is Hashem putting in front of me? Oh, I need to start planning a trip, right? We want to have money saved up for family vacations. Okay, so I'm going to start setting some money aside. That's a natural thing, right? That's a natural step that I can take, right? And if you tell me, well, I don't really have extra yet. Okay, so I make a plan and I try my best, right? And I work on my bitachon and Hashem will send the money, right? So that when the when it's the right time for the vacation, it's going to happen. I do the thing that I need to do, but I don't worry about it, right? I can make the plans without that heaviness, that emotional investment, like being like emotionally invested on it. So we can plan and not worry while we're going through that planning process. There's a really big difference. Okay. I think you get the picture. So don't make yourself into a nervous wreck over a tu- over tuition or whatever expense that's coming in the future, right? That seems like it's coming up. And even if it's today, let's say you're facing the challenge today, right? Which is not even your case, right? Again, the only address is UDKVAVK right, Hashem, but definitely stop creating fear over something that's not happening. You will have the family memories. You will be able to afford the tuition and more. That's what bitachon is. And one last thing, you mentioned Shabbos. I think I said this already, but I just want to make sure that we know it, that, um, you know, you mentioned it is one of the things that you want to make sure you have money for, family memories, Shabbat, etc., I encourage you to please listen to Monday's episode again with the interview with Donnie Fine, where we actually talked about Shabbat and Yom Tov being on God's bank account, right? And we learned this from the Gemara. I don't have the exact sources here with me now, but I've definitely talked about this on the show. I think I've talked about it um, some years before Rosh Hashanah, we've talked about this. So this is really not a concern. Hashem told us it's not on us. And so again, it's all, it's all. That's all what? What I said before. The, it's all bitachon. The whole thing is bitachon. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. 
Anonymous and Lauren, thank you for your questions. Hope that was helpful. Keep them coming. Next week, I hope to tackle an important question on supporting adult children while they learn Torah full-time in Kollel, which I understand can be quite the financial, um, you know, <laughs> investment. I didn't have time to tackle it today, but keep sending in those questions. We'll try to tackle two or three questions next week. Again, as always, you can DM me on Instagram or LinkedIn, or you can email me yael at yael trush. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and rating on your Apple podcast app. It takes less than 30 seconds. Have a Shabbat Shalom.